Yes. Today's episode is sponsored by Nerd Wallet Smart Money Podcast. Get your head in the financial game with smart investing and budgeting tips straight from the nerds. Nerd Wallet's experts will set future you up for success with dependable, fact-based insights. No financial misinformation allowed. Learn how to save on your summer vacation, find your next credit card, or loan for a big purchase, and invest in your next index fund. Make smarter decisions in 2024. Follow Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. The following program is brought to you by the Preferred Home Team. Content is provided for general information only and should not be treated as a substitute for professional advice from your legal or real estate advisors. Welcome to the Real Estate Radio Hour, a forum of ideas, plans, and expert advice on all things real estate. Andy Prasky with Remax Advantage Plus was named Super Agent by Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine. Chris Rooney of Remax Preferred is a Lakeshore and Luxury Home Specialist. Together they cover the Twin Cities. This combined dynamic duo has sold over 2,000 homes, ranked in the top 1% nationwide, top 10 in the state of Minnesota, and still have time to get together every Saturday to talk about real estate. Here's Abby Prasky and Chris Rooney, Denny Law, and the Real Estate Radio Hour. Yes, indeed, we are back at it. Always around here in the 10 o'clock hour, answering your real estate questions by phone and by text. If you uh, have one, call it in or text it in. The phone number, you know, it's 651-989-9226. Text is still the same, too, 81807. Chris and Andy here, and as usual, how was the week in real estate? I'm thinking it's colder weather now. Mm-hmm. First of all, does that affect things, or does you know Christmas shopping I mean, is all of this I, put I a dent so. in? I just put a listing on yesterday, mm-hmm. and I got seven showings today on it. Wow. So I think people yeah. are still buying. Yeah, I think the market's hungry for good stuff, good yeah. inventory, nice condition um, for sure. All right, good. And it's very festive around here. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Well, I just came from my client event. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We're, in so we're Champlain, about 300 right? listeners short today, Denny, because of me. We got everybody sitting up at the movie theater up there. Uh, oh, you're doing that again? Yeah, we had all everybody right. come out to the movie theater and- they, we do all kinds of fun. They can win prizes and bring the family and all kinds of concessions. And we even we had donuts this year, Chris. Wow. I know. Pretty should cool. Have some here. Anyways, <laughs> we got that text message. That, that text came, came in a bit ago, like uh, and it says, that let's, we'll tackle this right away. Uh, what are some of the risks of for sale by owner? You guys want to expound on that? Yeah. I Obviously, you just... I mean, there there are some websites and stuff that you can get your listings out. Um, I, you can even do it on Zillow now too. Mm-hmm. You can do a for sale by owner on there. Um, but I think it all comes down to you know just keeping yourself out of trouble. And you know, it's one thing selling it; it's the other thing staying out of trouble and keeping out of trouble after the closing. Yeah, because I mean, legally you can sell anything you want. I mean, and then you know, as a real estate agent, we use the Minnesota, you know, state of Minnesota certified um, and approved. Uh, purchase agreements, which are designed to protect both sides of the transaction, make sure that everybody conducts themselves in a professional manner. And so we, if you can get your hands on uh, that, you know, purchase agreement, I think that would be very helpful if you're doing for sale by owner. Otherwise, I wouldn't mind, you know, when you engage with a, uh, like a title company, for an example, to do your title work, they usually have attorneys on staff that could help you with a purchase agreement. Of course, nothing's free, but, you know, um, in an effort to try to, like they said, legally to keep yourself out of trouble. And then, and then there's liability with uh, making sure that you're available when you can be. And, and, you know, you're not screening like we screen a lot of times. Agents will screen 
um, the buyers coming through. So there's not just a general public coming through. So there's maybe even a safety concern I would have for you. Um, you know, that's a good point. I yeah. think too. I mean, obviously, for sale by owners are doing that, so they can save money. Save money, yeah. I mean, and uh, raise their bottom line. But buyers usually go into that thinking that, hey, you're already saving that realtor money. Why don't we take mm-hmm. that off the price? Yeah. So it's kind of one of those things. And the other part that I think is a, a big thing is negotiating for yourself. Right. It's not easy. I don't like on my houses. I saw. I don't negotiate on them. Well, it was. I think it was last year, Danny. I read a stat that said that the average for sale by owner sells their house twelve percent under what's considered to be market value mm. on average. So some are better, some are worse. But you know that's going to happen in any industry. And I think that. Here's the key thing. Let's say that you're a for sale by owner in the sense that, you know, Denny wants to sell his house to his brother, his sister, his cousin, and there's already a buyer there. Right. Understand that you can hire somebody like Chris or I. We can come in there and not perform full services, which means you don't have to charge full commissions. You can actually work on a, we're going to write the purchase agreement, we're going to attend closing, we're going to do this, and we'll do it for this fee. And so you don't have to pay the, if you've already found the buyer and you're just looking for somebody to cross the T's and dot the I's, I mean, I've, I do that a uh, dozen times a year for the, different buyers. It's called the facilitator agreement. Oh, okay. And uh, mm-hmm. it's almost like an a la carte menu yep. so that you can do it. And then there's there's also, um, there's for sale by owner shops that actually have access to the MLS. So some people go that route where they're basically their own listing agent. But they'll save probably half the commission doing it that way. Yeah, but not even because by the time you pay those guys the fees, and I'm I'm not picking anybody, but let me just make it crystal clear. Sure. So you pay out a buyer's agent commission. Otherwise, if you put on the MLS and you pay out nothing, you're wasting your time because people will not you know show your property. So you have to pay that out. Um, generally, not all the time, but generally. And then the second thing is, is those shops that are out there that do for sale by owners, they don't do it for free either. So for the hour and a half that they spend with you and you pay them $1,800 or whatever it is to do the few things that they do do, you're actually paying them five times what a real estate agent would make doing the same services um, you know, per hour if you look at it that way. So is it really worth it at that point? Or would you rather have somebody take on the full responsibility and you know, and the marketing and the everything else for you for that extra you know, 2% at the end or whatever it is? And sometimes it's, it's not option. worth it. Yeah, it's an option. Yep. But I think how stressful it is or can be anyway, I think I'd want somebody professional to cover all the bases. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but, you know, I get it, though. There's a lot of people that yeah. are listening that are very capable of doing it themselves. And I, I always say, if you can do it yourself, why would you hire somebody? But it's same thing with your car, same thing with your deck on your right. house, same thing with the siding and the windows. If you could do it, you, you know, it's yeah. just a matter of what your time worth. All right. If you uh, do have a real estate question, 651-989-9226, you can call it in or send a text. Eight one eight zero seven. You brought a friendly, friendly face in uh, with you today. We, we did, and I think uh, when you first hear it, you're kind of like, "Why would you bring blueberry?" I mean, uh, blueberry. Uh, no, <laughs> but uh, why would you bring him in at this time of the year? And actually, it's a good uh, time to bring in Pat Remick with Greenside uh, Landscaping because this is the time we can actually see your house, right? I mean, Pat, mm-hmm. we, we were talking about it. Uh, we went out to breakfast while you were at the movie, by the way. Okay, Andy. And uh, I bet you, Kristen. But buy. we talked about this. He I actually thought this did. was really interesting. He did? Yeah. Wow. Super impressive. <laughs> I did. Yeah. Um, anyways, um, but we talked about being able to actually, um, like, I thought this was really cool. Is that so? If I'm sitting in my uh, back porch, and you know, in the summer, it's all perfectly uh, all filled out, and I'm seeing all the privacy and stuff like that. But this is a chance to maybe put some evergreens in and kind of see where it's really at and what's dead and kind of go yep. into that. You know, it, a lot of times you're sitting there in the, in the wintertime looking, watch the squirrels out in the trees and everything. Uh, it's a good time to see what, what visions you want to keep. Uh, sometimes you put trees up to harbor what uh, is across the street or whatever the case is. But it's nice to be able to, to see with the foliage out what is uh, 
30 yards or 100 yards behind your property line. Maybe you like the look. If you don't, then that's the time to maybe identify. Maybe you should put some type of uh, arborvitae or maybe some type of shrub that will cover that uh, 10-foot and down mark. It gives you some options. But now is also time to determine if you've got issues with your trees. You know, if you, because during the summer, the leaves are on there, you can't see to the top. So maybe now you can determine if you've got some dead branches or maybe you've got a disease uh, taking place. Uh, it's a good time now to trim those trees, especially the oaks. Uh, get that cleaned up and uh, pruned up and, and get them ready for summer because what else you got to do this time well, of year? And isn't it preventative? Like when there's a windstorm, if you thin your trees out a little bit, can't they, aren't they? better fared in those kind of conditions when they have less interior yep. branches? Well, less less friction for the wind to grab. Correct. But it's also, you know, we talked a little bit, Andy, you and I did, about pruning trees. Everybody mm-hmm. prunes trees. Well, what they do is they prune up from the bottom and they get that taken care of. But some of the most important pruning you can do is on the inside so more of the nutrients go into the right branches and the right, right limbs. Anything that hangs down or crosses another branch should be removed. And it all it does, all that does is take away the energy from your good branches. So get either do it yourself, get up, in, get up in there, or hire somebody that can get up in there and get rid of the stuff on the inside that doesn't need to be there. And this is a good time of year to do all of that. Absolutely, because there's, uh, you know, there's no bugs to infestate. Uh, and even, like I said, if there's a dead branch, bugs love to live in that stuff. So you've got to get it out of there so your tree can remain healthy and prosper. You know, if you do have going on the the real estate part of this and, and selling, a lot of people list in the spring. I mean, so it's mm-hmm. blue and green and everything's great. But I'll tell you what, if you get a favorable yard um, for the winter and you do have the arborvitaes and you mm-hmm. got that, uh, you know, that uh, privacy um, and it shows good, it's take photos now as well. We mm-hmm. always tell people, hey, take them in the summer if we're going to list in the winter. So we have those. But it's really nice to have those winter photos in the spring. And yep. then it just kind of gives them a full view. And the other thing that it does is it just, let's just say you're competing against another house. It's kind of like, it's one of those extra things. Well, look at this one. It looks better in the winter. Mm-hmm. And it just gives you kind of an extra check mark. Or it looks like it's maintained. Listing. I mean, it's been maintained. So if they're maintaining their trees and shrubs, chances are they're taking care of their inside of their house as well. Hmm. Good point. Very true. Tell you what, let's take a break. Uh, inviting our listeners to join in. If you have any kind of a real estate type of question, call us or text us. 651-989-9226. And again, the text number is 81807. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to The Real Estate Show, where your questions are always welcome related to real estate, either by phone or by text. There's a line open at 651-989-9226. Uh, text is 81807. Guys, we had uh, one uh, that came in a bit ago. Should trees be cut down or trimmed so there is full view of the house from the road for resale? What do you think, Pat, uh, along well, those lines? Well, I mean, for resale, I, that's a depends question. And when I say depends question, if it's, uh, I mean, if there's no other trees around, you don't want to cut yeah. down that tree. But I think in, in, in front of the house, touching the house, yes, that's blocking the actual house. But yeah. out front, I wouldn't be doing We know that. trees are considered assets. I mean, on a commercial property or anything, so you hate to cut down and get rid of an asset. But now is the time, you know, people always put crab apple trees right up next to the house because they look good, but there's so little when they put it in, they have it up by the door. Yeah. And now they're 12 years old and they're, you've got a duck to go in the front door. Now is the time to identify that stuff and, and thin it out or maybe get rid of something like that. Yeah. What do you, I mean, I, I know a lot of people listening that did new construction and they required some kind of a fruit tree in their front yard. 
So they would do that. And then the crab trees always look nice, and they're supposed to stay ornate and perfectly shaped. Mm-hmm. But when they start growing into your house, you kind of forget that you should have put that tree 15 to 20 feet away from your house. Instead, we put them six feet off the corner of the front corner of the house because they look nice. And then as they grow and grow and keep encroaching, is it, is it healthy for the tree for you to continue to trim them on that, like the house side? Yeah. It's I mean, okay. as long as it, you got to keep it looking symmetrical. So right. if you take off two feet off the house side, you should take two feet off the other side if you can. Mm-hmm. But it's like arborvitaes. You get those pyramidals and pretty soon it's 20 years on the road and they're 60 feet tall, but they're a foot and a half away from the house. Mm-hmm. At some point in time, you just, that's when you got to look out the window this time of year. And if you can't see the mailbox because that, Crab apple tree is right in front of the window. That's when you got to get rid of this. So, so what's the rule with like that? I remember back way back when I used to landscape in college. They talk about not touching the leader, or is that is that not the case yeah. anymore with tree well, pruning? You probably should, and just you know, keep in mind you got to keep it balanced. You can't. You, sometimes you see people thin out one side, but the other mm-hmm. side looks lopsided, so it's not going to grow correctly. But yeah, the leader is always the main thing, and then find the main support beams, the bigger, thicker ones, mm-hmm. and work on minimizing them. Take them in each. And take off little pieces at a time because once you cut something off, you can't go put it back on. So take little <laughs> cuts at a time and then stand back and look at it. Well, I'd like to know what the leader is. That's uh, the main stem going up okay. to the top. Well, okay. like with, a, with an uh, what are they, ornamental style tree, you may want to actually keep it round, for example. And so mm-hmm. then you do automatically do that. But like with a pine tree, you did that, you're in trouble, I think. Right. You, yeah. But yep. now is the time, too, to keep in mind if you got like uh, pyramidals or an arb, you know, if you didn't put something on to protect it, now is the time you should be wrapping it with burlap or something to keep mm-hmm. it from drying out during the winter months. And I know it's cold outside, but if it's something that you value, you should take a little bit of time to try to keep it in good shape. At what point can you still relocate those trees? So let's just talk about Andy's new construction neighborhood that mm-hmm. maybe they're in that house for three years, four years now. That thing's starting to grow. Can you relocate those? Well, you can, but you got to realize you're going to probably have to put a tree spade in there, and you're going to have to back up across your nice turf, and you're probably going to be digging into a landscape bed. Uh, it's sad to say, but sometimes you're better off to cut it off flush with the ground and put rock over it and get another tree and move it out closer to the road where it should have been put to begin with. But the biggest problem, people get in too big a hurry. Let's get the tree put in the ground. It'll look good there. Mm-hmm. And then five years later, you're going, well, that was silly. I should have moved it out a little bit. But put it in the basket where it's sitting before you plant it and stand back and look at it mm-hmm. and then go, that makes sense, or move it to the left or move it to the right. Well, and I've seen, too, even like around our – we have a pond that we live on, all of us, and there's a um, – you know, the – the whips that people mm-hmm. plant, the little yep. skinny sticks, are now bigger than the ones that were planted that were bald and burlapped. And, you know, they establish themselves quicker, faster. You know, they're not as stressed, I suppose, yep. when they're getting moved. And so when you, like, spade uh, a tree, I mean, it, just to be clear, you're putting a lot of stress on that, you know, tree. And a lot of times it stunts their growth. And It, it, it can. Yeah. But the other thing with the, with the ball and burlap tree, you know, they, it, it comes with a ball and you know, burlap around the bottom of it with an iron cage or a metal cage to hold it in place. All that stuff's got to be taken off or loosened up so those roots can go through. Mm-hmm. A lot of times people just put the whole thing in the ground and then they wonder why the tree isn't growing. Well, those, sometimes those roots aren't strong enough to go through that burlap. You got to cut that burlap a little bit so those roots can expose out. And sometimes you got to cut those vertical ones, those horizontal ones, so they want to go out instead of keep going around in a circle. So what about like when you're planting? Not, now we're totally off subject here, but it's just interesting to me. Like, so when you've got the pot, you've got the potted shrub and you're going there to plant that and it's... You know what do they call that root bound, where yep. so the roots are growing all the way around, all the way around. And do they are they still suggesting that you like cut those yeah. roots? Well, otherwise, what growth? happens? Those roots are trained to keep going around in a circle. 
So now you take it and just put it in the ground like that. What are they going to do? They don't know enough. So you got to cut them to make those roots want to go out horizontally to get a good base and for them to want to, to grow. Otherwise, it's all root and mm-hmm. they're not going to do well. Well, and in your professional opinion, now that we're on the tree planting and shrub planting hour, um, the uh, do you recommend? It's very important in real estate, though. No, it I know is. it is. It's very important. Do you big? I used to laugh because a lot of landscape guys would dig the hole big enough to slide that pot right into the ground or that tree right into the ground. Do you recommend that we go like a foot deeper and a foot wider and actually put different material soils? Like you always hear about putting manure or some of those, you know, darker, richer black dirts or things like that. Is that a, is that a good thing too? Or what do you recommend? Well, to be honest, uh, it, the plant sooner or later is going to grow through that and get into the soil that it's, it's, it's there. surrounded by. Okay. So I don't know if I would necessarily put in like a manure or some type of, but I would just go with good soil, make it loose around the base of that tree. And then uh, then try to keep that uh, as loose as you can, but compact it so it doesn't erode or anything. And then give, give it fertilizer once in a while so those little roots got something to go on. Hmm. So, Andy, your theory of, you know, treating them really good as a little baby and then just making them suffer as they're older, right? Kind of like, <laughs> yep. And then forget yeah. about it. Just and, like most, us. Yeah. and most people do. They, they forget That's about their shrubs. Did. So all of a sudden now they walk up to the – and they're trying to show their house and they got this uh, spirea now, foot tall and three foot, you know, out from the middle. Those need to be pruned back. Take, take them down, especially like a plant like a spirea or a, uh, anything like that. You can take it way down and make it a youthful size again. So you almost get like a, a new plant. You can do that any time of year. Too. That was a good time to do it because, wow. you know, it's it's dormant. It's yeah. sleeping. And you got all the time in the world now versus during the summer months. I'll tell you what I tell my people too, and uh, I've worked with Pat for a long time, but is to just have them come out and do a plan. Mm-hmm. I mean, you get that plan and you don't have to do it all at once. You know, but at least it's all planned out. You know how that big yeah. that tree is going to get and yep. where well, to locate it. You, you've come out, for an example, to my house, and you enhanced what was already there. We thinned out some of the stuff that wasn't going to work in the original plan or that wasn't performing, you know, based on the soil types we had. And you enhanced it with new stuff. Mm-hmm. And it, it keeps that refreshed look on your landscape. I actually recommend everybody do that. Yep, absolutely. You Most of it's free of charge. And you get another pair of eyes, experienced eyes, to help you out. Well, it's kind of like a market analysis that we go out and tell people, you know, hey, here's what your house is worth and here's what you should do. You're doing the same thing with the hope of, hey, I'll sell it or I'll do the landscaping. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, speaking of digging holes. um, (laughs) All right, bada bing. On that note, we have to take a break, but we have another half hour of the show to go. If you have uh, any kind of real estate type of question, call it in or text it in. Uh, good morning. Welcome back to the Real Estate Show here on Newstalk A3O WCCO. Uh, Chris and Andy and Pat in studio. If you have a real estate question of uh, any sort, 651-989-9226 is the phone-in number, or send a text if that is easier, 81807. Okay. How about like winter issues that, I mean, obviously people put salt down, mm-hmm. affecting the plants, sure. concrete, hard surfaces, what happens? Well, you know, salt uh, salt itself is is People use it a lot because it gets down to the bare substrate quick, whereas years ago people would put a little sand down uh, to give you traction, but it never does get rid of the ice. So now what happens with salt is it gets in and around the plants, and it, it salt itself doesn't kill the plant, but it restricts the intake of water to that plant. So if you do happen to put salt on your sidewalk come spring or preferably in the fall, put gypsum down or a product like that that will help get that salt through the, the soils so the plant can take up water again. Because that's how a plant will die. It, and it looks the same like if it's drowning, but it's not getting any water because that salt is, is at the roots and it restricts the water intake. Yeah. I'll tell you, we, before last last segment, I was talking about how important 
when I was trying to get in while Andy was talking, mm-hmm. and I said how important it is in real estate uh, that what landscaping is and outside and obviously curb appeal. How about things that I mean are going to make us money? You know, when when it comes time to sell, Andy, like fire pits or you know new retaining walls or fences. Oh yeah, I mean I, I I can't believe you know how many new homes the people want fences immediately. And, you know, we were, of course, I wish we'd have the microphone on during the break here, too, because we always have good conversations between um, talking about, like, boundaries on the fences and things like that and how how many surveys that are out there that the people think they're following the plat exactly or they're following where the stick is and they don't realize that the neighbor kid was playing with it as a sword and put it back in the ground <laughs> and it's six feet to the left now. And it happens all the time. And so it's it's kind of a, an unusual i mean situation to get yourself into with fences and things like that that are you know they're not hardscapes but they're you know talk about what is the proper process with a fence i mean you know that's something that i look at a lot of people want and so mm-hmm. as a seller maybe i want to put a fence in cuz i'm near water or yep. whatever or irrigation you know you need to find out where the property line is and it's really uh, it's really a problem that could be averted if you talk to your neighbor and just come to an agreement. We need to get this figured out where the property line is because what happens, and we've had this happen numerous times, is we'll pull an irrigation line in and we'll find out down the road that we're on the neighbor's property. Well, now those two neighbors want to fight. Mm-hmm. And, and it's all could have been averted if they would have found this, the pins or had somebody come out yep. and do a survey to find out where it's at and then put your irrigation on the line or wherever it's got to be yeah. to to do it correctly because otherwise you're going to get into an issue. Yeah, we when we do as a surveys, you're required to do it as the house is built, as it sits on the lot. And when those survey crews go out there, they'll gladly add more pins. So if you're concerned, like if your yard goes out like a diamond in the back and you only have the corner pins, but you want to mark all of those points or like let's say 10 feet off the garage, like a lot of these new houses are, um, you want to put a pin exactly between you and your, your, your uh, neighbor just for good measure, just so that you know exactly where it is. They'll do it fairly reasonably when they're there. And so you're, you're doing the ads as survey anyway, a couple hundred more bucks. They add the pins on the side of the garage or the other side of your house. So then it's crystal clear, you know, and what's nice is getting your neighbor involved too. I'd say being the good neighbor in the sense that get them involved, let them know what you're doing. Say, hey, we're putting in a fence. I want to make sure that I'm staying clearly on my side of the, the property line. You know, what do you think of this? Do you review this? Do you appreciate what we're doing here and respect? And they say, yep, that's good. And, um, you know, as long as they all approve, there's no problems. You know, and what I would suggest on that is when they do put the pins in, put some irrigation flags or something where that pin is, and then use your phone and take a picture of it and put it into a file. Because you never know. You go, well, I'll remember it six steps off the house over here. <laughs> and two years later, you're going, well, was it 26 steps or where was it again? So take a picture, put it in your phone, print it off, whatever, and now you got it. Yeah. It, it's huge. It's smart. I did probably four or five years ago. We wanted to get a bunch of those trees out of our backyard to open up the views and you know, raise the raise the canopies and stuff. And uh, so I want to know what trees I could cut down. So I got a survey and uh, there's probably about 40 feet of fence uh, line from the one of the neighbors that kind of backs up to the side of it. That's all on my property. Mm. But it was one of those things that all the stakes were out there. And I just went to him and said, hey, just so you know this, I'm not going to make him move it, mm-hmm. you know, because I don't use it. But it's kind of like, you you got to let them know. I mean, so that's I an encroachment. encroachment. Yeah. yeah, and that's something that. But you, you know, years know. ago, Chris, when you did that at your home, you also realized it was a crick line back there behind your place there in Prior Lake. Once we got those trees cleared out and opened it up back to crick line, your backyard looked three times as large. It did, hmm. and three times as large to mow too. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, that's crazy. Um, Andy, how about a fire pit? Is it worth it? How about a fence? Is it worth it to put a fence up? I think it is, especially if you're selling to uh, – so many people have animals nowadays, 
Or like in my situation where I'm up in Champlin where I have the trail cam out there and I'm getting pictures of coyotes in my yard and fox and everything else that's a, you know lives up in the park. And I just don't want them to eat my dogs. So a fence is a good idea in a situation like that, too, to keep some of, you know, Mother Nature out. But do you think – so in, or kids my in point or is in. that I don't – I would rather put – so three to $5,000. I would rather put in um, new tile in the bathroom and a backsplash because I think that will get me more money because I think people that have pets – Want to say, hey, you know what? I'll put in the I'll put in the fence afterwards, right, and they right. they justify the house, so. or they do the invisible fence, which is real popular too. Yeah. You know, because some neighborhoods are really not keen on you having a fence. Well, you, you can't know? have it. Right, some of them. Yep. Yeah, there's some like uh, golf course communities, um, the the wilds in Prior Lake in mm-hmm. particular. Unless you have a pool, you know, you can't have a fence against the course. And then is it wrought iron, or what do they require for the fence? Yep. Yeah, and then you got to remember no too, privacy stuff. A fence is something you got to trim around and mow around. It's it's a maintenance issue, so there is some drawbacks, but it's a, there's a lot of potential to having them there as well. Yeah, I think you talk about that fence. I think it is an important. I mean, even if if you have a fence and it's not maintained, mm-hmm. it's almost better not to have a fence because people right. look at it like, hey, this is a Pull huge it. expense. And we've had that before where mm-hmm. we just said, you know what, it's got to just yank it out, or else we got to repair it, and they just uh, the repairs aren't as what they think it should be. And you take a fence out, it makes the place appear bigger mm-hmm. as well. Oh, for sure. So fire pit. Yeah, you know, I like fire pits, but I think it's your your audience that you're selling to. You know, if you've got uh, somebody that's family-orientated or likes, you know, the outdoors, and you have that kind of a yard and that kind of a lot that would pull that kind of buyer in, I think it's a great idea. Yeah, you you know? could go real elaborate with those, Pat. Yeah. Or you can make them pretty simple. Too. But a lot of times you got to think about where's the best place to put it. People want to put it right at the corner of their house and they have a fire in the fall and they have the windows open. Well, the whole house is going to smell like a, a fire. So it, put it back far enough so the wind or whatever will carry it elsewhere instead of coming right into the house. It's a shorter walk, though, to get the treats. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and when you pick up the wood at uh, Quick Trip. Yeah, you know, at you five bucks a bundle. Yeah, exactly. Well, or, or you know, like you, Chris, would probably have your own little uh, kitchenette out there around the uh, old uh, fire pit. Well, speaking of fire pits, what about uh, you see in some places the the the, the wood fire the pizza ovens or the mm-hmm. yeah is that is that common? It's it's not common, but no. I'll tell you what: if if we have one, I, I market the heck out of that thing, mm-hmm. you know, because I think again, it's a differentiator. It, it makes you remember the house with the Chicago style oven mm-hmm. outside. That's they remember that stuff. Well, that you're really just trying to extend the inside of your house to the outside. So having that pizza oven outside is just kind of an extension of your home, and it's it really creates a lot of ambiance and lifestyle. It does it's who you are and what the lifestyle that you want. Yeah, but if you're going to if you're going to put money towards something, I would suggest irrigation from the standpoint for one, it's maintenance, keeps your yard looking good at all times. But it's also something when people know you got irrigation, they know that it's it's something that you put in for value to keep the value up looking good. I agree, and that's not that super expensive. But keep in mind, irrigation is for turf, not for trees, and maybe for shrubs. But you can't water a tree enough from the irrigation. Mother Nature's got to help you on that. So don't put irrigation in to water your trees because that's not enough. It's good. It's good for grass, shrubs, and flowers, but not trees. So, what what do you do if you're a listener here and you've got the irrigation system running and you've got all the trees? I've got I mean, dozens of trees in my yard, and now they're starting to grow towards and underneath the turf. And they're actually the trees are not watered, but they like the water, so they're actually growing up in the yard. And what? So, what do you? I mean, do you have to just put black dirt and cover them and resod it again and raise your sprinklers, or what do you do? No, that's that's pretty tough to do, especially maples. They like to have their roots on the surface, and it it's more of that's their way of of 
provide moisture, whether it's from irrigation or whatever, but maples like to have their roots at the surface. Yeah. Really can't do much because, to be honest, with that canopy, you can't get the grass to grow very well underneath there anyway. because it's too dark. But that's when maybe you put a, a, a bed around it, put some hostas and some mulch in there and make it look good from that regard. So there's many different ways of doing it. Now we've got another text question that says, in guaranteeing to buy your house by a real estate agent, how much do they discount your buy price? I think that's. I think what people need to understand is that commission is not set. It's a negotiable item. Yep. And so it might be different with everyone. I think that'd be a good uh, show, though, to get a bunch of those uh, individuals people that offer those it. programs that come in and talk about them. I think that there's – I think there's side by side, you'll find that there's others that offer benefits that – like we've talked about this last week. Actually, the same question came up. And a, a guaranteed offer really is just part of your strategic plan as to having a guaranteed closing date. But generally the guarantees – They'll, if there's a window of time to get something sold before that, like some of the agents I deal with say they have a guaranteed sale program where it's you give them 90 days or 120 days to sell the house at a certain price, but they're going to make you market the house at a price that they know it will sell for, and then they guarantee it at a price even lower than that minus their commissions lower than that. So you do the math on it. So all of a sudden, you know, it can, it can, be, it can feel significantly less. The guys and gals that are offering the um, uh, – there's a bunch of different companies that are offering a guarantee. You know, We'll make you an offer on your house within a certain amount of time or we'll come on out and we'll match the closing date. We'll even do the cleanup. You're just paying somebody to take care of everything for you. And it's not – again, it's not a bad service. Obviously, a lot of people like it. But I want to remind the listeners that there's less than in the Twin Cities market. We've been tracking less than 7% of the sellers are in a position of where they would take advantage of a, an opportunity like that. But it seems like everybody's doing it. Not everybody's doing it. So, all right. Tell you what, let's do this. Take a break. We will uh, be back with more show. If you have a real estate question, 651-989-9226 or send a text 81807. And welcome back to our real estate show here on Newstalk 830 WCCO. We're talking, well, we do this every uh, Saturday in this hour. If you have a question, call it in or if it's easier, send a text as well. That number, by the way, is 81807. Approximately, looking at a text now, guys, how much would a one-acre lot cost to have it surveyed? Have you guys had any idea about surveying? Yeah, yep, absolutely. Rural, I'd bet you 900 to 1200 bucks. I just yeah, I just did a, a two-and-a-half-acre one. It cost me – I had three different surveys, surveyors bid it, and they ranged from 1500 to 2200 to do that. Yeah. Um, it was a little more – but a city lot – is, is less expensive. Right. Um, well, and it depends on if the legal description is already figured out right. too or if it's a combination of three parcels and they're doing all the math on it versus it's already a subdivided property and you're just going out there to verify where the pins are. That's a whole different process. Yeah, I'm sure it's under 1000 bucks for that. But yep. it's. I think it's well worth it. And I tell you what, I mean, when it comes time to selling too, to be able to show people where the exact lines are, it's a, another one of those things that... Do you think it's good? Yes. I and do I, too. I think it's really good. And I think... And the reason I think it's good is because the other property they're looking at d- didn't do it. And it just makes yours give it that one other thing. I, I've, I've never had a property seller or buyer that takes a survey and throws it to the side. They all go, oh, cool. And they sit down and they want to study it. And then they want to see, oh, there's a neighbor's house. is 13 feet off the side on this side. or what? And people love that stuff. Mm-hmm. I agree. Another text says, uh, you, you, we were talking about fences. Uh, whose responsibility is it to maintain the side that faces the neighbor's side? Well, if Greenside puts it up, I think Greenside takes care of it forever. Is that- <laughs> certainly can for, for a price. We yeah. certainly can. Talk about guaranteed offers. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> guaranteed fence 
taken care of. Uh, Andy, what do you say? Well, you know, okay, so if we're in a new neighborhood, um, fencing companies usually will recommend that you're in six inches to a foot. Some companies will say, why don't you go the width of your lawnmower so we can actually mow it on the one side as well. And then you can actually, you know, if you want to put rock or shrubs, then you can maintain your fence. You should be maintaining both sides of your fence. Shouldn't be your neighbor's fault just because you put up a fence that they have to paint it. Now, if you put it on the property line and you paid for it together and you have some kind of a relationship where you say, you stay in your side, I'll stay in my side, um, that, that'd be different, of course. I think that's where that whole, in neighborhoods where that privacy fence kind of got in, mm-hmm. in trouble because people weren't maintaining one of the sides, you know, and if it's not maintenance-free... You know, so well we had I had a, a listing where the the fence blew down once my uh, client had transferred out of state and they shared a fence and the fence fell into their property, meaning the one that I was selling. The neighbor didn't want to fix it or pay for it because it fell onto their property, not theirs. And so it was a weird deal. I mean, it was and and so just make sure. I think every relationship, if you have an exit strategy on the front end, like what happens, what ifs, and you write out a few of those what ifs in there. On the front end, you'll always have the answer before. You don't even have to ask the neighbor. You already know what the solution is. Uh, 651-989-9226 is the phone number for your uh, real estate question. Or send a text, 81807. Here's another one. Does installing a gas fireplace, now have wood burning, increase the value of the home? What do you say, Andy? Adding I, a, I have a gas opinion. insert? Yep. To a to a wood burning fireplace right now. I, I think the word convenience is key because um, uh, a lot of people really love the convenience of a gas fireplace and the, there's a lot less maintenance. Um, so I would say that for most people they would prefer to have a gas fireplace. Um, now I at a cabin for an example would love to have the wood burning fireplace for the I like the smell and the the maintenance of it. I love the you know having to go outside and split the wood. I mean so to me I, at a cabin I would I would say that I would keep the wood burning. Yeah, I think. Um I wouldn't do it. I, I don't. I mean, a, a lot of people do do it, and it's a personal preference. Mm-hmm. But if I was going into and someone said, "Hey, should I put this in? And it's going to raise my value," I would say no because I'll tell you what. Um, I I have fireplaces, gas fireplaces in my house, and mm-hmm. I mean the pilot light turns on, but that they never they never come on. Yeah, I mean they never come on, and I, I, a lot of people are like that. So to spend, you know, and and trying to get a gas line through that you know, concrete and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. I mean, that's not a cheap little thing. And then put the insert and sometimes it doesn't fit in there. You got to redo it. So, and I'll tell you what, I think a lot of fireplaces um, and all the wood ones uh, mm-hmm. we're doing now is uh, painting them. And it's kind of a, like how they do a brick wall. That's what it's like. You don't ever mm-hmm. use the fireplace and you kind of decorate it with maybe some cool wood in there, mm-hmm. you know, maybe a couple candles out front, but you never use it. Well, and I've learned the hard way for a couple people that the fireplace installers are not all created equal. And some of the tiling and the sleeving on those wood fireplaces can be thousands of dollars to repair. I was just going to say that's the butt. You, yes. The, so, because the butt is if you have one of the fireplaces, have you ever had a fireplace that a chimney guy hasn't come in and said it's, it's a fire hazard? <laughs> it's like every one of them. And, and so if you put it in the gas insert, you get rid of that. Yeah, that that's a good, that's, that, maybe that's a fair Might way to assess it. it. I don't know what the rules are with if you have you know some internal damage with that you know sleeving of that fireplace and saying, okay, let's leave that and let's put the insert in. I'm not a fireplace person. I would assume that could make more sense at that point than to do that. Had a new direction versus trying to fix the old, but I don't know. Depends. Yeah, it does. But, uh, I mean, that is one thing. If you do have a wood-burning fireplace, getting that looked at ahead of time is a smart thing because when the inspections happen, they always look at it. 
And I'm telling you, it's their job to try to find something wrong with it. And if it's been sitting there for 30 years, you know it's cracked a little. Oh, of course. You know, and, and then they scare the heck out of that buyer. Yep. And then the buyer thinks their house is going to go on fire. And then, you know, so it might be good to put a gas insert. So I we, changed my mind. We just did. <laughs> just now. You always put an insert in those wood fireplaces. Well, but there's always, there's always a what if, right? Or in, a, in this situation, and, and, or even like with new construction, uh, this was the first time in this year I've installed two wood pellet stoves. And in new homes, um, it ends up, I guess on average, I mean, every builder is different, but I mean, it's on average about $10,000 more for that versus a gas fireplace in the same place. Um, not the materials. It's all the labor and the code issues and the what they call the air compliance remake systems and all the other stuff that adds up. It has nothing to do with the cost of the unit because side by side they look like they're the same price. It's all the other stuff that goes with it. So actually in new construction, we don't do a lot of wood burning, so people don't even know what they are. Perfect. All right, let's go to uh, Karen, who's calling from Schaefer, I think. Karen, you're on CCO. Good morning. Uh, yes, I was just wondering if your your neighbor's property, they abandon it uh, because of all kinds of health issues, and we have no clue what's going on over there, and the trees are all rotted and falling apart, and then we had our yard real nice, and then everything blew over into our yard, all their branches that broke off because they never trimmed, they never did anything. Um, is there anything we can do because that takes away from the value of our property to have that eyesore sitting there with nobody keeping it up at all? What do you guys think? Well, that's why I tell you, mm-hmm. going to look at houses, just looking on the Internet, it's a totally different thing because you don't see that sort of thing because they don't really highlight that abandoned property next door on all the photos. So you have to go see them. But you can well, do something about that. And if you're ambitious and you say, hey, you call them, I mean, you can't enter their property and do work on their property without their permission. But let's say that you contact the family. The family says, boy, we'd love to have some help. You don't have to do everything, but we'd like some assistance with that. That'd be wonderful. And so we could really take a hard look at, you know, um, having uh, like a cooperative, you know, go ahead, trim the trees, mow the grass, whatever. That happened a lot in the foreclosure days. Oh, a lot yeah. of people would mow the lawn because there was that house that abandoned. So, but call the city. I was going to say that. You're right on there. I'd yep. say we used to have to call the city, basically tattletale on them, get the city out there. The city, you know, would obviously assess them or they would fix it and um, based on uh, ordinance. Yeah, based, some cities nail them good, too. Yeah, over I mean, eight inches yeah. on the grass. Yeah. They put a ruler in there, and they charge okay. them 300 bucks a week to mow it. I know we got to go. Pat Remick, how do people get a hold of you? Uh, Greenside Office telephone number, 952-890-5303 or www.greensideinc.com. I-N-C. we got prasky.com over there. Yep. yep. And I wanted to With thank all y, my right? clients again. Yeah, all the people that came out today to the client They're still event. in the movie. They're still in the movie. I'm okay. going to try to run back up there and uh, give her a high five as they leave. And yeah, if anyone else wants to catch a movie this afternoon, he'll buy you one too. What about the uh, movie theater? Right? How do we get in touch with you? <laughs> ChrisReady.com. And up there at the movie theater, that's where you also send the invoice for the movie. Um, will you be passing out eight by tens of Chris the glossies, the photos? He's got posters up everywhere. Uh, now, where did you let me go? All right. I hope you all come back next week. Would you do that? We would love to. Good to see you, Pat Remick. Thanks very much for coming in. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you.